Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a colluded edition of the Gold Standard with Alan Mosley. And here's your host, Alan Mosley. Wait, what did you just call this episode? The colluded episode. You should have called it the, the a booming episode. A booming episode. A booming episode. Of the, a booming and colluded episode. People will know why. Okay, they'll know why. In a little bit. What yeah. are you doing? Dude, can you pull it? Look at this. I'm, what, I'm playing Doctor Mario. What is that? It's Doctor Mario. What What are you playing video games for? We I'm got a reliving show, man. my childhood. <laughs> Give me. A... <laughs> all right. Okay. 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 This is this, oh, is this is already going. This is how we win, all right? <laughs> this is how liberty prevails. Yes. Assholes. Yes. <laughs> so, guys, welcome back to another episode of The Gold Standard. I am your host, Alan Mosley. If you want to catch us on social media, you can do so at facebook.com slash Mosley. But we're shadow banned, so you're never going to see it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which I don't think we're shadow banned on Twitter yet, which is at Alan and Mosley. There, I mostly just yell at people. And then you don't have to do any of that, though, because you can just go to our website, which is thegoldstandardpodcast.com, where you can go through and help us support the show through our donation link. And you can go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash TGSL, mostly. We have too many links. That's a lot of links. Yeah. Just go to the Gold Standard Most people have already turned off the show. No, no. Like, I could go back to just playing the game. Well, I think we've already got their attention with Mario, so. Yeah. (laughs) Is Dr. You you never played Dr. Mario? I've never played Dr. Mario. It's kind of like Mario Tetris. I'm sorry. I was one of those Sega kids when Nintendo was big, so. Well, Nintendo, the NES, had Dr. Mario. That was before Sega. I don't know that. That Sega (laughs) was 16-bit. The original NES was 8-bit. The Super NES was 16-bit. Dude, if you're going to go there with me, you gotta, you got to come heavy or not at all. I know what I'm talking about. All right? I know what I'm talking about. This, this is already wow. weird. Yeah, that's already well, no, well, I needed... It helps me de-stress. De-stress. That's it good. helps me de-stress, and I needed to de-stress because... Here's the thing. Okay, so Jesse Smollett, right? Oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's how we should start It's like, okay, so Jesse Smollett, right? So this here's, here's my hot take. You ready for my hot yeah, take? Yeah, your hot take. Go ahead. I, it, I'm actually more perturbed by the people who think anything's weird. Like, <laughs> have you not noticed that there's no justice in this country? No, there hasn't been justice in this country Like, you forever. just now realize something is off? <laughs> I mean, it's just gotten to the point where it's so incredibly blatant now that if you don't realize something's wrong, then you're just. I, I told the story. Before, I don't remember <laughs> if I did. I told the story before where I had this really cool when when I owned the printing business, the yes. print stop. Yeah. I had this really cool tech who would come and work on our printers when they broke down, which was every five minutes. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and he was he was actually he, dude, dude, dude was on the level. He was yeah. actually like a really libertarian type guy, okay. which is I mean uh, when you figure, meet right? when you meet another libertarian out in the wild, you're like oh a man of culture. <laughs> Um, and so I remember he had such an awesome line when it came to like your just obviously made up news cycle bullshit. Yeah. And his line was, what bothers me the most is that they don't even feel like they have to lie well. <laughs> and I was like, damn, that's a good line. That's a good line. <laughs> that's it's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it is true. Yeah, it's crazy. Is that it's, it's reached the point where like people are so willing to swallow everything hook, line, and sinker, and they, they are so convinced that there's no ramifications, there's no consequences yeah. for what they do. No. I mean, there's totally no consequences. I mean, no. why, why would the corporate media do anything different? A, people are watching, so they're getting, they're getting hits, yeah. so why would they do anything different? Yeah. And, and B, you're not going to do anything. Yeah. You're, you're still going to watch, so yeah. fuck you. Like, yeah. that's... That's said of the F word. The yeah. episode's over. Yeah. No, but actually, actually, it's okay because we have on Mance Raider today. So yeah, this so, episode yeah. was fucked from the get go. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> but, but I, I, I'm genuinely like when people are like, I can't believe this injustice. Like I can totally believe this yeah, injustice. I mean, where have, have you, you been? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right, like you, you see what I'm saying, you right? Be. Yeah. yeah, like you shouldn't be. Like, you shouldn't this be isn't weird. This is the norm. This yeah. isn't the weird. This is the norm. I mean, after all, I mean, look at all the stuff that's gone down lately. I mean, Hillary Clinton's not going to jail, of course. That's never going to happen. No. But everybody still wants her to, but she's not. Who's it? No, know. who's everybody? No, yeah, nobody. No, 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 no. People say that. Well, some, yeah, people some people say that. Some people, some people okay. think she's the greatest. On my feet, everybody says that. Yeah. But that's just my feet. So. Well, you've got a bunch of racist, just no, I disgusting neo confederates no. on. Okay, they are neocons. I admit that. No, I said neo confederates. 
neo-confederates, maybe. Neo, neocons are not neo-confederates. Oh, they're neocons, okay. not neo-confederates. Yeah, oh yeah, I hate neocons. <laughs> I can't, I, this is why I don't, this is why I don't they're comment publicans. often. This is why I don't comment often on your personal profile. Don't comment on Because I, I know you don't want to mix the streams. No, 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 no. You know don't what mix I'm saying? the what, what was that? For? It was, that was uh, Ghostbusters, man. You don't want to do that. Well, just, Ghostbusters was mixing the streams. Oh, yeah. uh, on Seinfeld, it was the worlds colliding. Yes. Because like different friends can't hang out because then the worlds collide. No, no, no it's yeah. Good. So uh, yeah, I know, I know, I yeah. have enough respect for you that I don't do that to you That's by showing hole, up dude. on your page and saying, "Guys, let me tell you about recreational heroin." Because <laughs> I know all of your people will be like, "Oh my god!" You can get them to understand marijuana, but you ain't going there with the heroin, man. <laughs> dude, I thought we were going to party. Oh, what is on. this show? <laughs> Well, yeah, so so the Jesse Smollett thing. So here's the thing. So for one, I'm not surprised. Uh, two, and I've said this before on another program. I'm not about punishment. I'm about restitution. Right. If the whole story were just he did a stupid thing and it cost a bunch of money, then he should have to pay it back to the community, yeah. not to the government. Fuck right. the government. Yeah. To the community. Right. However, here's a caveat for that. Uh-huh. From from the reports that I read, I could be wrong on this. It was that he, the cops had said to him, do you want to press charges? He's like, yeah, I want to press charges. Until he found out that they had brought in the two Nigerian brothers. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, no, I, I don't want to press charges. That would seem to indicate, and I could be wrong, but that would seem to indicate that he was perfectly fine with a couple of innocent people going down for the hoax. Yeah. He just backed out on it when he found out that like, the jig was up, you know? Yeah. If he was willing to see a couple of innocent people hang for it, then they should bury his ass. Yeah, it's true. It's true, but That's they won't. a totally different, yeah. totally different. But they won't. They won't. But you know, the only reason, well, the only reason we're talking about this yes. is because the Mueller report thing happened uh, and there's no, yeah. no evidence of no collusion, collusion, which we already see, knew. That's what the collusion thing was and, about. Like, not even, not even a week ago, I honest to God saw this. Uh-huh. I honest to God saw a, I think it might have been in Time Magazine or something, yeah. where they were saying people actually saw Mueller as a modern day folk hero. What? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you need better heroes is what yeah, that, I, like, yeah. what, whatever happened to Batman? Yeah, I don't, like, that guy was awesome. <laughs> I, well, you know, I, I've never, actually, I've never loved Batman. Hey, you know, as a kid growing up, the only reason why I always thought Batman was so awesome was because he didn't have superpowers. He had cool gear. That was what it was all about. Now, the now Utility I do, belt had everything in it. A spoon, now, a fork, toilet paper. It was amazing. A spoon and a fork. And to- no, oh, that's, God, it, that's everything. Yeah, he's like a Boy Scout. I do like the Punisher, though. That probably says something about my personality. Well, that is the when Punisher it, like a demon or something? Though? No, it's the Punisher. Is he a normal guy? See, I don't know much about that. Yeah, he's a normal guy. He just kills people. Who well, are, that's not good. But they deserve it. It's like Batman, but he's a murderer. Actually, yeah, the Punisher is like Batman, but a murderer. Yeah, okay. and that's that's actually for someone. Is, if you don't know the Punisher death? without me spending the whole episode explaining it, that's that's pretty good. Okay. He's Batman, but he kills people. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And it probably says something about my personality that my favorite is the Punisher. Well, I mean, you know, because I people... just I just got done saying that I'm not I'm about restitution, not punishment, and then I turned immediately around and said I really like the Punisher. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are the guy that makes it, that sends everybody a link to suicide.com or something. Every it's, time. No, no, it's euthanasia.com, euthanasia.com because I want them to have the info they sure. need to make the right decision for them. Yeah, euthanasia. Right, I got you. Let's let's just move. <laughs> this this episode's so far off the rails already, <laughs> guys. We have such a great show for you planned. We have making his third appearance. Mance Raider is coming back on the show. We will be with him right after the break. Have you ever been talking politics with a friend and told if you don't like it here, you should just move to Somalia? Well, ladies and gentlemen, from the sandy beaches of Mogadishu, Sherry and I bring you Postcards from Somalia, one of the newer products of Little Elm Productions, where we take on all of the fallacies of the people who say, if you don't like it, you can just get out. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for The Gold Standard with Alan Mosley. Email us at tgsalanmosley at gmail.com. 
Guys, welcome back to the show. It is time for our guest today. He is making his third appearance on the show. He's the artist formerly known as Mance Raider. Uh, he goes by Pete Raymond now. He hosts Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast, something about moving a Buick off the lot. Mance Raider, welcome back to the show. This is actually my third appearance today. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so you're really up to five appearances total. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Uh, oh, you know, just living the dream. <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing. So, fun. so in, in three words, describe to me your love of boomers. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even. That's three words. It's perfect. Shall not be infringed. I mean, they That's are. Four words. You want to talk about a generation that absolutely believes that they're like so above. You know, I'm I'm a Gen Xer. Mm-hmm. They, they so believe they're above us. You know, the Gen Xers are more nihilistic and stuff like that. But they're just like, I mean, the biggest welfare whores. The big, I mean, it's, don't even get me. Ugh. Ugh, I can just go on and on. It's like, talk to them about, you know, talk to them about reducing benefits on everything. You know, um, m- maybe they'll be good about reducing, you know, oh, I, that person looks like an illegal. We have to, we have to reduce, you know, they can't get any benefits, but, um, Oh, but, you know, that person over there that's getting benefits who was born here, they can work 100%. We'll leave them alone. I, 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 can't, I can't even with boomers, man. <laughs> well, so for people at home who don't know what's going on, this is, this is going to be our Boomer Palooza. We had planned a few weeks ago to do an episode where we just make fun of boomers for 30 minutes. And the best guest to have on your show to do that is Mance Raider. So... If if I was going to try to be intellectual for just a moment before we just do nothing but make fun of them, this is this is this is a genuine gripe, and you kind of already touched on it, which is one of the things that you hear a lot of people in the boomer generation complain a lot about is they feel that younger people, Gen X, Millennials, have this, they're spoiled, right? They have this great sense of entitlement. And that's something that you and I would generally frown upon. Like, yeah, I don't like people that have a sense of entitlement. You're right. The problem is, is that can you name a generation that more absolutely exploded entitlement programs more than freaking boomers? No, man. It's, you know, my parents had me when I was young, so my parents are boomer, were boomers. They're both gone. But, I mean, they were the... Try to talk to them about getting rid of entitlements. I mean, my mom worked for the government, of course. Uh, my dad worked for the government for a short period of time. And um, then he ended up working for a private telecom, uh, something like that. But, you know, at the end of his life, at the end of his life, I mean, he was more than willing. I mean, he was eager to get his hands on anything that was free. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, I didn't, I really didn't learn anything from them. You know, when I started embracing the thought process I have now, um, my, well, my mom was already gone by that time, but my dad really thought I was insane. He's like, no, this is, you know, it's part of the social contract. And, you know, you, you know, you were born here. So you get, you no, you know, it was. It, I think it was just him being in the military for way too long. You know, yeah, just getting that, getting that brainwashing. Yeah. Well, so this is something that I I know that there's actually been books and articles written on this subject, and and one of the common threads that I see a lot of times is. So you have the entitlement factors, you have the welfare state that really explodes. It's not that it didn't exist in a lot of ways before. I mean, Social Security came before boomers technically were born, but. But it exploded under them. But but beyond all of that, it's for me, it's more of this phenomenon of well, what like who feels entitled justly, if you even want to use that word. It's that so people who feel proud that they've actually accomplished something. Like you did a thing, you provided a service, or you have accomplished something, and therefore it's your just reward for what you did. But what did boomers accomplish? Like, like let's, let's really break this down. So what happened during the boomer generation in America coming up that would say, oh, well, of course, then you deserve all of the social handouts you can possibly get. And, and, and Particularly for boomers, it's bad because I, I, I don't really want to get into the debate of World War II and whether or not that was a just war and all that. I, I don't tend to agree that it was. But that being neither here nor there, you know, sometimes we call that generation the greatest generation. You hear that a lot. 
okay, like if, if I'm going to give you that, if I'm just going to give you that, the World War II folks, that's the greatest generation. Okay, what did boomers accomplish? Let's, let's be specific now. What did boomers accomplish? So that would be since 1946. So what happened after 1946? They built the roads. Yeah, they built the roads. They built the interstate highway system. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. They built the friggin' interstate highway system, and they're so friggin' proud of that that it's become a friggin' meme in society. But who will build the roads? So, so we actually have the answer to that meme. It's the boomers. The boomers will build the roads. Eisenhower, you know, it was under that that interstate highway system came in under Eisenhower, and that's when boomers were, you know, coming up and being uh, being raised. And um, yeah, so you immediately had that, and then you know, of course, late boomers. Um, you had the Civil Rights Act and welfare and all that stuff came down. That would be late boomers, sixty four, sixty five, kind of. Boomers, um, all these entitlements and all the um, what else? What else was in the fifties? Uh, you know, just that um, that whole sense of fifties nostalgia. You know, oh, we need to get it back to the way that it way that it was. You know, um, you didn't you didn't even go to the grocery store without dressing up and you know putting on something really. Not, you know, it's just just a happy bunch of horseshit, man. It is just. <laughs> Awful man, my I'm, and my dad was one of those ones who was just peak boomer man. It, it's uh, it was rough to deal with, especially with you know his military military service and everything. Well, I, I was talking about this subject getting ready for today's episode with our friend Mike Clark, and one of the things I said to him was, is that you know I just don't see any reason for that the American boomer generation to have much to be proud of unless you're proud of Vietnam and intervening in the Middle East if if you're proud of that then the boomers have tons of stuff to be proud of but I it's 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 just kind of this this lull period in America where you had some cultural shifts you did have some cultural changes and not necessarily all of those cultural changes were bad but even then, that's not really like boomer specific. That's that, that's that's kind of a different. That cultural conversation is a little bit of a different conversation. Uh, but but again, I think I think what gets me, or what I run into the most from boomers, is this kind of attitude of like the people who are most likely to complain that well, I paid into social security my whole life, therefore I'm owed. That's a very boomerific statement, you know. And and so again. Would you say, let me ask you this, would you say that it's, it's realistic that a lot, of, a lot of that is hold over from kind of like Lyndon Johnson, War on Poverty, and then fast forwarding from there, that they still have that mentality of, well, I was sold a bill of goods, and so I'm here to collect. That's what it is. I, I think it was just the whole thing of coming of age when free things were becoming were being handed out very uh very easily you know when wealth you know when you were getting welfare when you were getting food stamps when all that stuff was coming out um i think they started to equate that with american exceptionalism look we can even we can even um provide for the most downtrodden, you know, and then, you know, of course you go completely off the gold standard in 1971. And, uh, because nobody understands what that is because you're not going to learn about it in school. You know, you, you might happen upon some lunatic like myself will tell you while you're on the subway in New York or something like that. And then you're just looking at me like, yeah, you can go away now. Um, uh, put, you know, put your headphones back in. Um, but you know it's just it really is they came of age when all of these entitlements mm-hmm. were coming out from the government and they my assumption is i mean my 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 family no one in my family ever saw an entitlement that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't accept that they weren't going to apply for if they could get it yeah and um you know that's just you know that's new york city for you that's growing up in new york city everybody in new york city you know i was just up in new york last week mm-hmm. and you know i was talking to some people up there and it's just you know it is just remarkable the amount of when it comes to a government program how much they'll just brag about receiving it yeah you know, it, it's just it's a way of life it is just something that my my dad had it 
my granddad had it and uh you know those those people and those people who had dogs sick sicked on them in the 50s and 60s fought hard to get us this and it's like i think you missed out at exactly what those people were fighting for but yeah as time yeah. goes by the history you know history's rewritten even in the minds of the people who were there yeah I think I think two areas, like if you were going to narrow it down, two areas where you see the biggest shift, definitely during the boomer years, fast forwarding to now, is healthcare and education, right? Like so, so, so government spending on healthcare and education skyrockets through the fucking roof, um, and so and, and in those areas that that begets a lot of those feelings. And so obviously they're they already they already have the sense of entitlement, but they're they're learning in public schools that this is this is correct. This is this is logical thinking that well this is the role this is the role of government. That's that's perfectly accepted. There's no argument there. You know, if you were to deny that, you're a totally crazy person. And 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 there's no there's no counter there's no counter argument. Like it's not even a matter of you arguing with a boomer and them not believing you or whatever. It's that you know you're talking to somebody that could be sixty, seventy years old, and the words that are coming out of your mouth right now, they've literally never heard that before. Like that's. It's it's not just that they don't agree with you. It's that they literally went through that much of life, and they they have no idea what you're talking about right now. Well, I went to I left New York when I was 18, like two days after I graduated high school. I graduated on a Thursday, and I drove south on a uh, on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. The um, from first through eighth grade, I went to public school. Uh, I went to private school for high school. First through eighth grade. If one of those teachers would have said anything negative about any kid's parent being on welfare, getting any kind of, you know, met, back then it was called, uh, I, I guess it's medic, it was called Medicaid or Medi- I can't remember if it was called Medicaid or Medicare and pretty much anyone, anyone in the inner city could get it. Um, if you talked bad at all, that, and I remember a teacher actually doing it and they got pulled into the, they got pulled into the office and they had to talk into um, it's just, and then when I got to high, when I got to high school and I went to a, um, I went to a Catholic school, mm-hmm. you would hear, you know, it was more, it, it was a better education, um, as far as, you know, the material that was being taught, but they were not going to divert away from the, uh, you know, I mean, Catholic church is all about charity and, you know, so they weren't going to divert away from that. They just weren't going to be. They weren't going to advertise it the way public schools did. They wouldn't, you know, if somebody's family was on welfare, they would never say anything. And they would never say, you know, you can never do it or anything like that or get public assistance at all. But, um, they, you know, they, they would never say anything against it. And, you know, and I can just imagine how that today, they probably celebrate it. Because, you know, it's like, I mean, I just, it was... Uh, Growing up at the at the time that I did, in the age that I did, I mean, you, if you lived in a certain neighborhood, you didn't even have to prove income. You could just go get what they call the dental card, and you could go down to an office and you could get free dental. Yeah. And I don't know how it was paid. I'm assuming it was public funds and uh, and all that. But um, yeah, it's it. it it was, um, you know, and that was when the boomers were getting to be, you know, were in their early 30s, anywhere from their early 30s to their mid 40s. Mm-hmm. And nobody, nobody was speaking out against that back then. The, the few people that were speaking out against that, especially in New York City, uh, against that would uh, would have would have been pariahs. Well, let me let me change gears on you here a little bit is is one of the other things that r- really stands out to me is. So you have the sense of entitlement, you, you have the welfare state explosion, you have the explosion in, in, in spending, government spending, health care, uh, education. The other thing is, is that for people who have such an entitlement, doesn't it seem weird that that same group of people then have such a low level of compassion for anyone outside of their group? And and I don't I don't just mean foreigners, right? I don't just mean brown people south of the border. I mean anyone outside of the boomer generation. So millennials need to suck it up. They haven't earned anything. They're spoiled. They're rotten. But also too, um, 
you know, especially around here, you know, I, I live in Middle Tennessee, you know, Bible Belt, a lot of, this is neocon country, right? And so when you think of people who say statements like, oh, there's problems in the Middle East, we ought to just turn it to glass, that you get a lot of that here. And it's always from boomers. So boomers think, well, I need to be given lots of stuff because I deserve it. But I also believe everyone who's, who's not like me, who's ever caused an international problem or, or, or disagrees with me in any way, the, the best way to solve it isn't diplomacy or trade. The best way to solve it is nuke them, murder them all, and then you won't have that problem anymore. I mean, I, I, mean, I guess in some ways they're correct. You won't have problems with those specific people being alive anymore. But it just, again, it blows my mind that on, in, in the one hand, you can have the attitude of giving. Like you use the word charity. And, and of course, I know in, in the context you're talking about, it's genuine charity, not, not a government subsidy. Um, but, but they can have that thought. They can have that charitable mindset. But then when it comes to that, the other person, it's just, you know, it's like just full punisher mode, right? Like they have no sympathy for anyone else outside of their demographic. It, it makes it very hard to sympathize with them, doesn't it? Well, you know, they're, they were told their parents were of the greatest generation. So, you know, hey, if our parents were the greatest generation, we must be something special. I mean, that's maybe that's in their head somewhat. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows when the, I guess, the next generation right now to reach their age will be Gen Xers, and who knows what their attitude will be. Mm-hmm. You know, I tend, as a Gen Xer, I tend to be a little more nihilistic about everything um, and don't really, you know, thankfully, I can look and I can see, you know, the government can't sustain what they're doing because mm-hmm. um, the you know, population spurts and um, the way the market is restricted um, from automate, you know, from just automating itself. And when I say automation, I'm not talking about robots. I'm talking about just how pr- progress, how how much restrictive progress there is. Um, I can, you know, I can, I can see things being really bad for, you know, for my generation when it comes time to retire if you don't have like personal personal wealth because they've basically you know this boomer generation you know and there's a reason why are they called boomers because after the war there was this huge baby boom people came home and they just had babies and it's like you have this so you have this mm-hmm. huge population that is feasting on the public teat and everything that they believe that they're getting back that they put into it is gone I mean, that was gone when they were putting into it. That was going to the people who were already, mm-hmm. um, who were collecting then. And many of those people didn't put anything into it. So you're, you know, when it comes to, when it comes down to my, my time to, you know, collect, get my goodies back and everything like that, hopefully I won't, hopefully I'll put myself in a position where I won't have to do that. It's going to, I mean, Let's just face it, you know, if you had that kind of boom in a population and they went through and they had this they had this mentality and they feasted off of everything free that they could get from the government that, um, you know, they were raised as the greatest government, you think it's the greatest government in the world. You know, there's always a bad, you know, there's always something to fall back on. Um and by the time by the time I get there, I mean I, I'll think by the time long before I get there, you'll have seen like a major major crash um, in many sectors that will have been caused. You know, I, I, I don't want to blame their ideology. I don't want to blame their ideology and what they believe. It's just the way the government set it up, and it's the lies that they told them that they bought into. That oh, mm-hmm. the um, you, know, you pay in here, you give this amount, we'll give you this much back. You'll always be taken care. You'll always mm-hmm. be taken care of. I think the the good thing about my generation, which is Generation X, a lot of us when we hear that, we think it's bullshit. We're like, yeah, that's not, yeah. But then you have like the millennial generation. I think the millennials are a little more like, um, yeah, the government will take care of us. And then you have whatever, 
generation comes after 2000, you know, 2000. Um, and those, I mean, I really hope that a good portion of them, just like a lot of the Gen Xers did, um, don't buy into that and, you know, look towards something better mm-hmm. and look towards something more sustainable. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know, man, I don't know. I, I put it this way. When it comes time for me to, when that social security is, I don't, I, I don't know if it'll be there, mm-hmm. but even if it is, I'm definitely not counting on it. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just, who knows what, what it'll be worth then, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm getting $1,500 a month, what's $1,500 a month going to be in 20 years? Yeah, exactly. And... Well, you know, so I, I turned 34 this year. I was born in 85. And if you're going by what whatever the standard generational brackets are, I think I think Generation X is through like 81. And my, mm-hmm. my older brother was born in 81, so he's about four years older than me. So I'm, I'm right on the millennial side of Gen X millennial. And while it is true that a lot of millennials are just – card carrying commies who who are, are are they're 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 all about like the social f- framework and contract and all that however i do sympathize it's one of those things about I, I get frustrated with people because they have every right to be angry, but you got to be angry at the right people for the right reasons. And so I sympathize with a lot of millennials for being angry because a lot of millennials, they're dumb enough to think that socialism can work this time, but they're smart enough to look at the way things are and look at like boomers and look at politics and be like, this is fucked. Like we're, we're, we're drowning. Like I haven't even, I haven't even started my career and I'm already drowning. Like I, I sympathize with that because a lot of that's not their fault um however you got to be mad at the right people for the right reasons and you're you're not building my confidence there if you think well therefore the answer is if we can just figure out a way to tweak government so that it's in our favor because that's what it always comes down to right is that mm-hmm. it's it's the state's not the problem it's just we got to get the state working for us and not working for the boomers and that and that's where you, that's where obviously you lose a lot of millennials but you know when you were talking about social security especially i was reminded of um when ron paul was running for president because he would address, obviously, the entitlements, and Social Security is a big one. And, of course, he was one that was a proponent of structuring it in such a way where you wean people off, right? Like you would you would continue to pay Social Security payments to people who are currently on the dole, so you're not literally throwing grandma out to dry. But younger people can opt out, right? And, I mean, logically, that, that seems like a, like a pragmatic way of going about it. So that if you or I say, that shit's not going to be worth anything, then we just quit paying the tax and then everybody wins, right? But, but everybody doesn't win. And what I mean by that is, is that I personally saw and knew a lot of boomers that that still wasn't good enough. Like, even though they knew their Social Security wouldn't be touched... They were still offended by the concept of people not paying in. And that always kind of bothered me. It's like it's not even good enough that you still get what you want. You have to ruin it for everybody else. It's Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. You know, if, I, you know, if I was a prisoner to this, you have to be a prisoner to this. That's yeah. basically whenever you, whenever you mention anything about opting out of the system at all, that's what it is. It's other people who are so tied to the system, so invested in it. When I say invested, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about mentally. Um, it's just, you know, to, it's almost, it is literally almost sacrilege. Like Mm -hmm. you are, you know, you are offending their religion to say that you'll take care, you know, that you'll take care of it. You can do it on your own because they don't believe that they, you know, they've been taught that, no, you know, the state's there to take care of you. And, you know, they'll, you know, they'll take care of you when you get older. And I've been of the, I've been of the opinion now for a good 10, 11 years that, you know, that's just, that uh, there's no way. I mean, I just didn't, you know, I guess it's really tough when you look, try to look forward. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 
people like Dr. Mark Thornton, people like Ron Paul were talking about the crash of 2008 and like 2001 and 2002. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. So they were predicting that that was going to happen. But the problem is, is they, the people who, you know, let's, let's use the term, the powers that be. Sure. Have have control over the media. They have control over the money supply. They have control over the schools. They have control over thought. So they can prop that up mentally and, you know, with their fake, you know, with the fake money um, for a long, long time. You know, I mean, I see, I see a horrifying crash coming. You know, I I'm in, uh, I pretty much, the way I look at Monetary policy is the same way Peter Schiff looks at monetary policy. I've pretty much been reading him forever. And what he, when he basically when he makes a prediction that something's going to happen, his timing may be off. But when it happens, it's usually right about, about yeah. exactly what's going to happen. And you know, I find it hard to believe that it hasn't happened already. Yeah, you know that, that we haven't seen. You know, I mean, zero percent interest rates for how long, or point two, you know, point two five percent interest rates for how long, and it hasn't crashed yet. So, I mean, there's no telling, man. They could prop this. They may be able to prop this up for a good ten, fifteen, maybe twenty more years. But if people are out there, you know, preaching the message, and you know, the more you talk to like normal people and everything, especially you know. Not everybody you're going to talk to. If you talk to 50 people in a day, maybe two that you talk to will be hip to the fact that uh, that you know the monetary system is a bubble and everything you know, everything is a house of cards. Mm-hmm. But you know, five or ten percent, you know, who honestly believe that it is a house of cards, you know, they start pulling their money out and they start doing certain things. I mean, they could they can make it cr- they can make it crash really easily. You know, it's just. It's beyond sustainable. I mean, you do not even have to, you do, you do not have to be, have read Human Action or Man, Economy, and State. I mean, you could read something like Tom Woods' Meltdown um, and really understand exactly what causes these things. And in in most cases, it is, um, it, they, the house, that house, the proverbial house of cards does not start to collapse until people start getting um, doubtful and people start getting pessimistic and they start pulling money and they start shifting things from certain sectors. So, I mean, I just don't, I I can't believe that it hasn't crashed already, but I also know that the mechanisms they have, I mean, isn't it a great distraction that the, um, you know, for two and a half years, that the newly elected president of the United States was, uh, you know, was a Putin puppet. <laughs> yeah, everybody worried. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everybody worried about that. And no one paying attention. You know, in the stock market, making record highs, but mm-hmm. uh, coming back down and then coming back down and then going back up and never going past that record high and going back up. And, and all the while that's happening and everything. Oh, the, the president... The president is, you know, has secret meetings with Putin and things. Like, I mean, it's they're they're doing a really good job of just, you know, look over here while they're doing stuff over here and just doing all this diversion. But, you know, it can't last forever. I mean, it just it just can't. We just need to be ready for it. You know? This is this is this is totally off topic. I just wanted to say really quick. It it seems like an awfully big coincidence to me that right when. The Mueller collusion, nothing burger had kind of reached that critical mass of left wing tears versus right wing jeers. That's when the Jesse Smollett thing came back in the news, and they dropped the charges on him. And it's 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 one of those things where I I hate to be that cynical, but I I can't sit here and see the news cycle and not say this this is pre planned television. Like, this isn't breaking news. You know the shit's coming. Like, you can almost get to the point where you're like, hey, uh, hey, man, there's going to be a big story about Friday afternoon because we gotta, we got to break this cycle. Like, just get ready for it. Like, you can kind of feel it to, to a point. I, I do, I do, I do I want to say really quick before we, uh, before we wrap up, um, talking about the, you had mentioned the Russian collusion and all that stuff, is that, 
I, I do like Peter Schiff as well, and 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 and, and it is correct that even though uh, you know he 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 tends to think that the bust was going to come sooner. Uh, and some people like to rack him on that, but philosophically, he's totally correct. When it does happen, this is why it happened. You know, this is this is the outcome. This is where we're going to go. He's totally correct. Um, I'm also, in some ways, surprised it hasn't happened yet. But call me a cynic. I ha- <clears throat> I have this weird feeling that that greatest generation slash boomer generation, which of course have been the ones that have dominated Washington politics. And and even though I think I, I forget what year it was, I think it was I think it was like ninety one or something like that. That was the peak year of the maximum number of people that identify as boomers were in the House and Senate and presidency. Um, but what whatever it is, I mean they still are a majority of Congress if you're looking at it purely from age. I have this weird suspicion that when that is no longer the case, when when boomers have basically ridden off into the sunset, they've made their money, they've gotten their dues, and they no longer are the prevailing generation in Congress, that's when the crash will hit. Which, which just purely by calendar years, that's pretty soon from now. That sounds like... That that's plausible. What could even be more plausible is that they'll do it sometime in the middle of next year. So oh, they, well, yeah. And then they'll, yeah. they'll blame it. They'll blame it on Trump so that they can get Trump out of there. Well, they well they they got to have something else to blame him on now after the whole Mueller thing. Is there, they, we we need another scandal, right? Like like that. That's exactly what I was saying. Is that you almost kind of feel it in the waters that well, election season's right around the corner. That kind of didn't pan out. So we need something else in the news cycle to get people talking. Uh, although although the really the 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 true blue believers in all of that horseshit are still. Like I, I, it might have been you that posted. There was actually someone, honest to God, in March of 2019, someone actually wrote an article and got it published that said Hillary Clinton could still be president. That was from uh, April of last year. That was oh, yeah, okay. that, yeah, that was from April. But still, uh, yeah. April of 2018. And yeah. Here's how here's how Hillary could be, Hillary could be president. You, know, you just think of that that um, it's sunny in Philadelphia meme where um, yeah. he's by the board and everything. Yeah, but. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I would not be shocked to see like a market crash, you know, that crash happen before the, the 2020 election. I mean, you saw it in, in 2008, right before, uh, right before the election, um, you had a Republican in there for eight years and then you had a huge crash and that just opened the door for the Democrats to come in. Um, but you know, one thing I will say is that, um, if what were you talking about uh, at the beginning there about um, uh, about something about damn it I lost it I had, <laughs> I had a real I had I had what I thought was a really good point about um, that the um, oh that you know like um, you could see now a really good thing for the Democrats to do would be to become like anti-war again. Yes. Yeah. You know, but yeah, they won't, yeah, but talk, they, making but the they point won't of do that because if they came out and started saying that Trump would be like, okay, yeah, I agree with you guys. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. They know he'd do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's when you would get original candidate Trump back, right? Like that's when he would start talking about the Middle East as a quagmire and quagmire and we should end it and all that stuff. Well, what what get this all right, so this is the funny thing cuz we had we had Lou Rockwell last week and and he had made two points. The first one was is the best thing that could happen to Trump right now. If he if he 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 doesn't he he isn't willing to say that he's sure that Trump will win re-election, but he thinks he has a pretty good shot to win re-election. He says the best thing that could happen to Trump is Hillary Clinton resurfaces. Like that would be the best thing that could happen for him because he would just smash her again, and people don't like her. And so if she just shoved her face back into national politics, it'd be the best thing that happened for him. And he also made the point that if you if you look at polling numbers right now for the Democrats, of course this is going to be another one of those years where you've got something like eighteen different people running, and that's not even including some people that have yet to announce that a lot of people think are going to run. If you're looking purely at favorability numbers today. 
Joe Bidens are about as high as they get for Democrats. But Lou made the, made the argument that that's because he hasn't announced yet. As soon as he announces, his numbers will tank because the worst thing he can do for his numbers is actually re-enter the political landscape. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, uh, although, who would have... <sighs> Who would have really thought that Beto would do like out money bomb Bernie? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's true. It's so there's really no predicting what could happen now, except Hillary. I mean, Hillary. If Hillary, you know, came into the fray, we could pretty much predict everything that was going to happen there because it would just be it would play out um, just like 2016. Yeah. But um but somebody like um yeah, I don't I don't know who else. I mean, I guess it would be easy to predict Biden because he's been so, you know, so much more out there, but Bernie, you know, Bernie has so much support um with lunatics. And you know, and Beto, I mean, let's face it, man, Beto did a pretty good job of uh Almost turning over. Uh, yeah. Who was he up against there? The Zodiac Ted Killers. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that really, yeah, I made this point recently. That really has to make you worry about Texas. Yes. Because you know, te- if there was one thing that you could count on Texas for, was you know to always be red. I mean, it would be like on on election on election Tuesdays, they would call Texas at like two o'clock in the afternoon. It was like Kentucky and Texas they would call first. Mm-hmm. But I mean that is quickly that that's quickly changing. And yes. if Texas goes if Texas goes blue, it's done. There'll yep. never be you you'll the the Republican the Republicans would have to like completely restructure their whole message and everything. You know, like that. And it would just uh I, I, I don't know man. I kind of chalk that up to the phenomenon of you're seeing a lot of these hard left big cities emptying out and a lot of people moving to other parts of the country where, you know, no state income taxes or at least less. That's property values are good. But the motherfuckers bring their bullshit with them. Hmm. And that's the thing is, you know, people um, when I when I was talking to Dave Smith recently on his show. He, you know, they're they're so worried about these people pouring over the borders. And I'm like, yeah, you should be. People Mm. pouring over the borders from California and New York and Chicago, all moving into blue. I mean, look at um, look at Georgia, where I am. I mean, Georgia, the Stacey Abrams, you know, a lot of people are saying she won. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, everything. You know, so, I mean, really, what happened? I mean, is. If all these people, if there's like all these blue waves moving from big cities and they're moving all over the place and it's not planned, okay, before anybody's like, oh, somebody's doing this, you know, it's not planned. People just move away from big cities and they bring their garbage with them. And that's what's changing. Yeah, I mean, I don't see, what do you think about Tennessee? You know, what? Here's the thing about Tennessee is that, of course, you know, you got a lot of people that live in Memphis, and Memphis is hard blue. Uh, mm-hmm. Nashville, Franklin, Brentwood, where all the country music stars live, that used to be a lot of blue, but it would still go red. That's now not really the case. Now it typically goes blue. And, just, and, and, and so it's a state microcosm of the country as a whole, which is 90 of the 92 counties are red. Those two blue counties are going to swing the state. It's going to happen. It's going to happen yeah. eventually. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's going to happen. So it's like, I mean, how do you fight that? What do you restrict? I mean, here, you want to fight it? Okay. Yeah. Let's balkanize. You know, let's start breaking. Let's start breaking shit up here. You know, I mean, it's not a bad idea. A lot of people. I mean, whenever you know, when when Trump got elected, you heard California talking about it, and you mm-hmm. heard all these you know predominantly blue states talking about it. Sure, mm-hmm. I mean California is probably the easiest one to do it because they have an economy unto themselves, but they also have a welfare state that is you know puts to shame just their welfare, just California's welfare state puts to shame most of the countries in Europe. Yeah, you know as far as size size and breadth goes, um, but yeah, man, it's. Uh, Oh, it's just it's just a matter of time. I mean, it, the only way they're going to be able to to um, 
there has to be a a mad awakening of liberty. I mean, a huge awakening of people who want liberty and want less government, um, and definitely like a breaking up. Or else, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a matter of time. I mean, to even fight it at this point, which is why which is why I think it's all futile. I think all these arguments, you know, whenever I go on a show and I'm just like, I don't care about the border issue anymore because if you really want to. You know, the only thing that could possibly save anything right now is if you close the borders between the states. The, the, the border, the southern border, is no, it, it is not as bad as this blue wave you're seeing moving out of predominantly blue states. That's what you need to concentrate on. And if you want to start closing borders, then well, you know, between states, well, I think that's a good step towards you know allowing people to choose what kind of freedom they want. You, know, you yeah. go, hey, I want to go to this state because this state is choosing to do things this way and they're not listening to Washington, D.C. anymore. They're telling Washington, D.C. to fuck off. And, you know, that thing, that's really the only way to go at this point. It's the only way that you're going to have any kind of autonomy it is to have, you know, 50 states and then break that down even more and, um, you know, just... It's logical. The problem is, is that most statists, hardcore statists, are they're megalo, they're megalomaniacs, and they want to they don't only want to control people on their street and in their town and in their neighborhood and in their state. They want to control people everywhere. Yeah. So I, mean, I think that's the big that's the big problem we're having right now. A, and you know, boom. And to bring it back, boomers are some of the worst. So yes. Well, to, talking about bringing it back to boomers, uh, here's here's a line that I got from my good friend and co-host for Sports Ball, Mike Meharry. This is this is one that you might want to use. This is a good one. Is that I can't, It's hard for me to take seriously the people who their biggest issue is the southern border and building the wall. And I'll tell you the main reason why. Like I'm I'm for open borders, but like we can have that conversation another day. This is why I can't take those people seriously because what's their biggest issue? For most of them, if you really ask them, their biggest issue is is that well they're they're a bunch of socialists and they're coming in and they're bringing their socialism with them. That's their main issue. And mm-hmm. Mike Meharry had such a great quote for that, which was, I can't believe you're so worried about those brown people bringing their socialism when your lily white neighbor has been voting for it for 60 years. I mean, yeah. And, and, and you know, they have an answer for that, too. The answer is, well, this is just going to swing it that much quicker and everything like that. And it's like, it's, I mean, this is what you. This is called progress. It's what we've seen throughout history. Whenever you have a a time of uh, abundance, whenever you know things are looking really good, well, what does the government do? And we saw it in Sweden. I mean, Sweden was friggin' amazing. Had um, you know a- amazing freedoms. And then they decided, oh, you know, we have all this wealth. Mm-hmm. We need to take care of these people, and we need to take care of the less fortunate. And maybe people shouldn't be working so hard. So let's put the state in charge of things. And I mean, that's just, I mean, you're not going to, this, the only way that this state reduces itself is to fail. It, it is to fail pretty miserably. And mm-hmm. then, um, and then have local, you know, have localization or what some people like to call um, rather as a pejorative balkanization. Mm-hmm. And I don't think balkanization is a, is necessarily a bad thing because I don't want you know, I'm in Georgia. I don't want to go to war with you guys. I yeah. don't want to go to war with Alabama. I don't want to go to war with Florida. It's not going it, to it wouldn't be like that. It would just we'd figure something out. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, there isn't like this, there isn't going to be this, uh, you know, religious war that you see, you know, that you see in so many places where you have breakups like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the only answer, man. It is yeah. really, it is really the only answer. And, um, you know, and to make everything private property so that every, you know, so if you were so worried about those brown people coming over, coming over the border you make everything private property and then you know it's it's a trespassing issue at that point and then people can welcome them if they want them on their property sure come on that's fine and then they have to they have to deal with it man we're gonna have to talk again sometime soon uh (laughs) on on this show or yours or whatever because there's because this kind of took a direction that i didn't expect um what you were saying just now it kind of reminded me i don't know if you're familiar with uh, yuri maltsev 
Yeah, uh, I've, I've met, yeah, I've yeah. met him and talked to him. Yeah. Uh, Yuri's a cool guy, and one of the things that he was really big on, talking about things that I think his prediction may turn out to be true, it's just the timing isn't quite there, is that he genuinely felt that the United States was going to break into 6, 8, 10, 12 countries eventually. Now, I mean, he may have thought it was going to happen sooner, but he kind of felt like what happened to the Soviet Union, that's going to happen to America. It's just a matter of time. As soon as it gets to a certain critical mass, it'll it'll just collapse under its own weight. And when it does, that doesn't mean that everyone's going to just walk into the ocean and drown. It's just going to mean you're going to see this break down into more bite-sized chunks. And that doesn't and again, and that doesn't necessarily mean all of those individual pieces are going to magically have more liberty, but at least there's going to be you're going to have more of a dog in the fight. You're you're going to be able to focus more on your home. It's going to be more geographically and, and demographically makes sense. And so I I'm 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 just reminded of that as as you were talking. Uh, and we haven't even talked about Game of Thrones with the final season coming up. Oh, I'm I'm staying away from that subject. I, I don't want to. I, I I just want to enjoy it. I just I just want to enjoy it, and uh, hopefully, I've I've heard the the first episode is leaked online. I can't find it though. I won't watch it. If it's leaked, I won't watch it. I will say this though: I I am one of these people that have read the books. I think four times all the way through while waiting for the next book, and I I'm I'm doing everything in my power to divorce the show from the book so that I can just enjoy the show because I definitely am in the camp that the book is way better than the show. The show uh, I, it wasn't so different until the last couple of seasons. Well, the book is just, it, it has way too many characters to, um, yeah. to work as a TV. You can't put that many characters into a well, TV Well, yeah, show. but they've also... There's already too many characters. Yeah, there's yeah. already so many characters. But, I mean, think, how many, how many characters have they... I mean, they've literally had to cut out a quarter of the characters from the book. Oh yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd be surprised yeah. if it was even that few. Well, they, well, I mean, for a while there, it was kind of they were taking different plot lines and kind of coalescing them into the same character. Right. Like Jorah kind of became John Connington with the whole yeah. grayscale thing and all that. But I, I don't know. It's just, I, I, my my biggest critique from show to book isn't even necessarily any specific detail. It's more the tone that George R. R. Martin, even though he is kind of a commie. He he is he's definitely hugely anti-war, and a lot of his other books have a very strong anti-war theme. That this is gross, this is terrible. I'm not glorifying it. Whereas, of course, the show is a show, and it's for HBO, and it's to get viewers and make money. So you have all the awesome action scenes and all the fighting and all that. And George R. R. Martin, as an author, in a lot of his books, those scenes are skipped. Like the point of view disappears and it comes back after the battle, and he does that specifically because he's not glorifying battle. That's not what it's about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in that, but I, I don't want to get into all that. Uh, before well, we go, well, the, the great well, the great thing about the last season is going to be that it's not written. You know, yeah. So we don't. It, it's not something that we can compare it to. Yeah. It'll be something that'll stand by itself. So what's uh, what's gone on recently or coming up next on uh, Free Man Beyond the Wall? Uh, I just released an episode today with uh, today being uh, Wednesday, the what's today, the 27th? Yes. Yeah, 27th of March with uh, the former with retired major uh, Danny Scherzen Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, who's been writing for antiwar.com. Scott Horton's had him on the show a couple times Uh, last week on Monday. I was up in New York at the Soho Forum. And he debated up there. So, of course, before the debate started, I went and tracked him down and uh, made sure that I was going to be able to get him on the show and everything. And basically talked about his early life and then talked about him joining, you know, going to West Point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the most important things about him is he he didn't get to go to Iraq until the surge started. Yeah. So... He showed up to Iraq for the surge, and then he came home. Excuse me, I got to drink something. And then he came home and went and did some schooling, did some more training, got promoted to captain, and then they sent him for the Afghani surge. Mm -hmm. So he was, you know, the two major wars 
he was there for both surges. And by the time, the first time when he went to Iraq, he said by the second or third month, he was like, this is just awful. And yeah. he became anti-war. And, you know, he stood, but he stayed in and went to, you know, went to Iraq. He had a hundred, I mean, Afghanistan had 150 people under him. And he just tells the story of, you know, what it was like, um, how futile it was, how, you know, you can dissent, how, how, how you can only dissent so much and how when he got back from Afghanistan, he was just be, you know, pretty much just became the worst soldier. And he ended up teaching at West Point. And, you know, he was just he said he would he was surprised that he barely made it through because he just had such an anti-war message teaching at West Point. Yeah. You know, so he's a really interesting dude. He has some he has some really um, original thoughts on what's going on in the Middle East and um, you know, especially since the Soviet Union fell, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I, I think it's just a, I think it's an excellent episode. He doesn't hold back, um, and you know, some of the stuff he talks about on the ground when he was in Iraq because he was in uh, he was in Baghdad, and he was in Kandahar Province when he was in uh, Afghanistan. Some of the stuff he talks about that he, you know, experienced there, and you know, just. He really gives you the philosophy of what it was like to be there on a macro and a micro level. So that's episode 238, which I just dropped today. Um, you know, recently I had a couple episodes with David Thibodeau, who um, survived, was one of the Waco survivors back yes. in 1993. And I, was, I turned that into two parts because we talked for two hours, uh, um, three hours. And um, that episode is doing, uh, after I was on Dave's show, the download started up again on that one. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to concentrate on the big picture, trying to concentrate on the fact that the state is re how damaging the state is to human freedom and yeah. to human flourishing. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully that, hopefully that message comes, uh, comes across and uh, that's, that's mostly what I'm doing. You know, I still, I wrote two books and, uh, they're available on Amazon. They're available on my website for You can buy for crypto there. I'll sign them, whatever. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, just plugging away, trying to get the message out there. And, uh, and it's hard, man. It's hard breaking through, uh, breaking through that cognitive dissonance. I understand. Amen, brother. Well, reminding everybody at home that is freemanbeyondthewall.com where you can find Mance's books, which is the most recent one is The Kids Are Not All Right. Kids Are Not All Right. Yeah. The first one is Freedom Through Memedom. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that one still that one still sells real. I saw a yeah. lot of that one still. Awesome. So, um, yeah, Free Man Beyond really the Wall. Freemanbeyondthewall.com. Yep. Mance, we will get you out of here on this one. Is cereal a soup? Um, blueberry morning is a soup. No other cereal is a soup except for blueberry morning. Wow. Well, wow. Well, that's a new one. Well, I'm not even, we don't have time. I'm not even going to break that down. We'll, 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 we'll let that stand as is. So, Mance Raider, thank you so much for being back on the show. Guys, we will be right back after this break. Hey, did you see the uh, playoff games last weekend? Oh, you're into the sports ball game. Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. Sportsballpodcast.com. Sports Ball is not a libertarian sports show. It's a sports show done by a couple of libertarians. For when you need your bread and circuses. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for The Gold Standard with Alan Mosley. Email us at tgsalanmosley at gmail.com. You don't even listen. You don't even, you're actually in the room and you don't, and listen, don't listen to the show. Well, dude, I try. You know, I'm don't distracted you know. over here. I got all these buttons and knobs. I mean, do you see these buttons and knobs? Do you guys understand how much work I got to do to keep this guy rolling? I can Jeez. see you next to you. Me uh, next to go me. Back, go back. Go back. Go back How do you see me Look, next to me? there's you right there. Me? Next to me. I'm right there. Yeah. yeah I'm right there. It's delayed right by here. like half a second. Oh, yeah. 
It's, That's what I have to it's deal with. It's kind of weirding me out. Don't do that Don't, again. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. It hurts my brain. I can't handle more than one Blake. <laughs> no, I mean, the whole world needs a little more Blake. I wish we had a thousand Blakes just yes. for more subscribers, but you don't even listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> it would be literally I useless. do listen to the show. I edit it, and then I put it up there. No, you don't. Yeah, I don't. You don't listen. <laughs> so what did you learn on the show today? Uh, well, I learned that Boomer's pretty much screwed up everything. And when I mean Boomer's everything, really everything. Ruin everything. everything. Yeah, everything. I mean, everything from car washes to sand on the ground. They're ruined. Boomer's, yeah. They wrecked it. <laughs> exactly. You don't listen to the show. Yes. That's no, it. no. I know I mean, now more than ever before. I do listen to the show. I absolutely listen to the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you know when the boomers were, uh, what, what the official start date of the boomers' births were? 1946. That obeyed. Yep. Yeah. I actually do research for this program. <laughs> Thank you very much. I hey, looked, hey, excuse me. I got the internet, okay? Excuse I know me. what I'm doing, oh, heart. Hold on. I looked at Wikipedia five yes. minutes before we went on air. And so did I. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh man! I feel I feel I feel attacked. You're not attacked. I feel yeah. You are liberated. Listen to that creaking. <laughs> we gotta get some oil for these chairs. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm going back to playing Dr. Mario because I'm stressed <laughs> oh, <no>. again. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Goal. I know you're not even no one's listening anymore, but to the Gold Standard with Alan Mosley. If you want to follow us on social media, you do so. It's Facebook.com slash TGS Alan Mosley, Twitter's at Alan Mosley. Don't have to do anything. Just go to our website, which is the Gold Standard Podcast.com. Now go back, listen to that. You can go into YouTube and you can set it to like quarter playback or whatever. And yeah, it'll sound normal, but with a smooth baritone. Very nice. I mean, very you won't nice. know because you don't listen. But well, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, and we will see you next week.